Howdy folks, welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Beware, I will spoil some things about issue 11 from volume 4, the current IDW full color volume. In this, the 136th episode of the Ronin Rabbit podcast. Now if you need to get in touch with me, you can tweet me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L, I post the episodes on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo and Usagi Ojimbo Facebook pages. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit. sorry about that hesitation there, is the website, and UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Now, as I said, this is issue four of the current volume, cover dated August 2020, The Return, Part 1. Now, our Dramatis Personae include Miyamoto Usagi, Mariko, a love interest from uh, basically his entire life, uh, Kenichi, Mariko's husband, and Usagi's um, friend, uh, ally, um, frenemy for most of his life. And we also have Yayoi, if I'd pronounce that right, a servant of the Kenichi household, and Kato, who is a samurai that we saw back in issue, I believe, 8. And also let me throw out my um, apologies or acknowledgement or whatever about the sound quality of this episode. I'm working on adapting some new sound systems, techniques, what have you. And so hopefully throughout the episode, the nature of the sound won't change too much. Hopefully it is as it has been, if not better. Uh, However, from episode to episode for the next few, the sound quality may change. We'll see. We open with a image of a village next to a stream. Uh, We zoom in from high above. We see a garden plot. We see the side of a building. We see a doorway. We see, next page, a young woman coming out in a, um, I guess it would still be a kimono. I apologize for not knowing that. Carrying what looks to be the washing, perhaps. And she's walking outside past the garden plot down to the washing stone at the river, which has a nice... Uh, cover over the rock that she uses with a um, a device over here to the side that allows her to draw water, to pour water onto the clothes as she needs to. It's got a nice long handle with a cup on the end. And she starts washing the clothes, and um, for some reason she looks up in kind of exclamation, you know, surprise. I don't know if she heard something or if just, you know, out of her peripheral, something's not right. But she looks downstream from her a little bit and mm, I think it's downstream, off to the side of the shore on her side and she sees a boat. We see, although she can't see it yet, we see the arm and back of Usagi. So this is the boat that Usagi collapsed in after his fight last issue and um, knocked the boat loose and set it adrift downstream. Well, downstream is where it has gone to his former home village. This is where he was raised. 
Um, and that, this is where he has known Kenichi and Morocco from because they all grew up together. She goes to investigate, says it must have floated down from upstream. It must belong to some poor fisherman. I hope we can get it back to him as she starts parting the reeds, shall we say? These don't really look like reeds. They look like some kind of shore plants, but we'll say reeds. And as she walks up, she gets close enough and you see her face. She exclaims, oh, and then yells, uh, speaks loudly, Usagi. And we have a a, a view finally, and, and we know for sure between the mon and, of course, the drawing of the person itself that it is Usagi. Next, we cut to Usagi and Mariko standing on a hillside overlooking uh, the land. And he says, I love the mountains. She says, I do as well, but I have never known anything else. And he smiles to her and says, perhaps I can take you to see the coast someday. As she is smiling back, she says, the coast? Usagi continues, there are portions of our country's coastline that are magnificent, and the ocean is so unbelievably vast. There are forests and plains, and she kind of is staring off, not directly at the camera, but kind of askew um, with a, a soul-searching kind of look on her face. And she says, I would like to see all that. And he says from behind her and over her shoulder, this country is so beautiful. And they look at each other wistfully in the eyes. And then she demures and looks down with kind of a uh, embarrassed kind of grin. And he says, you are so beautiful, Mariko. And then it cuts back and we see Mariko in the frame and she says, what? And Usagi jerks his head up and he says, huh? And we see that he's laying there uh, in one of the huts of the village. We'll presume at this point that it must be Mariko's house. She's taking him in to uh, help him, having found him in the boat. And he sits upright and gasps. Um, and we see, and I wish, I've, I've done a little bit of research and I couldn't quickly find the name of this. I, I want to so that I have it for the future. But he's laying beneath this medicinal device that is a L-shaped hanger hanging from which is a small bag tied with a string. And it it is arranged so that the frame holds the bag over the forehead of the sick individual. Now, Usagi was laying on a block of wood, so his head was slightly elevated, and we couldn't tell, but if that bag wasn't resting lightly on his forehead, it was just above his forehead. And uh, Mr. Sakai's given it to us before, and I've tried to locate what the name of it was, but I was never able to. So if someone out there that listens to this... Um, can point me in the direction of finding out what that is called. Um, I would love to make a note of it so that I can refer to it in the future. But he sits up and he says, Mariko, it really is you. And she says, yes, Usaki-san. I'm so sorry. I, I did not know what I was saying. He apologizes as he bows his head, you know, in, in deference. And she kind of looks away and says, of course, you were delirious. And so we see that there's much uncomfortableness between the two beside besides besides the fact of, of what he just said, uh, catching them both off guard. Now, those of us that are a little longer in the tooth as far as Usagi's history knows that there is quite a bit of history uh, between these two. Those folks that are reading this volume as the first volume, uh, be aware of that if you're not able to put that together from 
from just this issue, but there is there is much uh, water beneath the bridge that is Usagi and Marco, and Kenichi, uh, for that matter, her husband. So as they're sitting there kind of embarrassed, uh, a woman opens the door and says, or uh, she gets called, Marco calls her, Yayoi, Y-A-Y-O-I. I apologize for my uh, Caucasian mispronunciation of that, which I'm sure I just did. Uh, she tells the, I'm assuming, servant of the household of the headmaster, uh, which we come to find out a little bit later because of some things she says. But uh, Marco tells her, please inform my husband that our guest is awake. Yes, ma'am, she says. And she um, squats or maybe Neil walks back out of the room and then we see as she grabs the door and, and starts to slide it shut. Marco says, I'm surprised to see you, Usagi. He responds, I assume I am home. Well, you are in the village you grew up in. Um, how did I get here? And she tells him that she found him in the boat and that he has been here in the house, laying here for four days. So uh, he tells her he remembers being attacked by thugs because he was wearing the Mifunimon. And um, he fell in a boat and, and he surmises that the boat must have broken loose and flo uh, floated downriver. And we see he's got a big pump knot on the side of his head. Uh, that he references, and she says, that's a nasty injury. It's no wonder you were unconscious for so long. And she, you know, is is medicinally, I think, feeling his head. But then he either removes her hand or as she is pulling away from having inspected the injury, he grasps her hand. The panel just shows him um, holding her hand, not like holding romantically, but having grasped it, holding her hand. She asked him why he came back, and he said that he was in the midst of a pil pilgrimage to Lord Mifune's grave. Um, he was trying not to come to the village, but um, apparently it was taken out of his hands, and he's glad that it, it happened that way. And she starts to say, Usagi, I... And then from off-panel we see, So, you're awake, are you? Kenichi. He has opened the door that the servant lady uh, extracted herself through. How are you, my old playmate? I'm surprised you've returned, Usagi. I was sure you'd be dead by now. I'm sorry to disappoint you, he says. Kenichi responds, and Monaco jumps up. That's enough from the both of you. And she... Um, this is... I don't know what this is uh, that I'm going to speak on next. But I've noticed that Mariko, to me, looks somehow older than her age, or she looks more weathered than she said, or something like that. There's just something about the way that she is being drawn that is, um, I, I feel badly for her, uh, just in the way she looks. Um, it, it's it's really hard to put you know put my finger on it. She's not wearing anything threadbare, and she's not all scuffed and bruised or any you know. But there's just, and I don't know if I'm meant to, if I am uh, imposing my emotion on the situation from what I know about this you know this trio. Uh, I don't know if it's the coloring. I don't know exactly what's doing it, but there's she seems. She seems sad.
to me. I, I don't know. Um, so the Kenichi and uh, Usagi stop fighting, and uh, he removes himself. He says, you see, um, Kenichi does. You see, Usagi, the Shogun's emissary, will be traveling through our village, and I, as the village headman, have to make sure everything runs smoothly. Now, that is a position that Usagi's dad had when they were growing up. Um, well, there's there's a history there, but that, that, is, that is the position that Usagi's dad had once upon a time, and I believe this might have been the same house, because after all this goes on with the three of them, Kanichi, before he leaves, um, lets Mariko know that she will not be the one tending to Usagi, that um, Iyoi will be doing that. And um, he then, Kanichi, will be leaving to take care of the emissary's visits uh, preparations. So Usagi's sitting here and he starts thinking back. We were always rivals, but so much had happened to drive that wedge between us. Like the time... And in a multi-page, multi-panel uh, reminiscing, we see a very young Usagi and a very young Kenichi and a very young Marco. Um, Usagi and Kenichi have been catching fish for uh, an upcoming uh, festival or maybe just dinner. I'm not sure. They, they caught an awful lot of fish, though, if, if this is an everyday kind of thing. So I suspect this is like a weekly or maybe a festival kind of dinner. And they're, they herd the fish using these uh, pseudo-wooden rake-looking things, okay? Pushing the water out in front of them like they're pushing the fish. And then set up is a corral of sorts that is just a little above the, the bottom of it, is a little above water level so that you can push um, the water and it, it will go up over this hump and then fall into a uh, recessed area that the fish get caught in and they can't jump over the hump back into the water. Um, I'm probably not describing this very, very well, but um, I'm doing the best I can. Page 14 of the book is is where this first shows up. An ingenious looking thing, actually, and turns out it's got baskets hanging inside on either side so that after you herd the fish into it, uh, it's large enough for the for people to walk up into the, the enclosure now and you can get a basket off the side wall and fill your basket with the fish, scoop up the fish and uh, carry them out to wherever. So basically it's like a big wooden corral that once you get the fish into, they cannot escape from. Uh, I'll just put it that way. And it appears to be built using the stream bed itself, the stream itself, and using the river's current. So it's an enclosure that encompasses the stream as part of its makeup so that the water uh, perhaps can continue to pass through. But when you want to fish, you can set it up in such a way that you can trap fish in it and then just pick them up from a much more enclosed area than trying to catch them in the water, of course. Uh, fill your basket and, and take them on. And as they're, um, they're comparing baskets, um, and Usagi says, um, I bet I caught more than you. I can barely carry my basket. And Kenichi says, oh yeah, and he trips him just as they're stepping out of this enclosure so that as Usagi stumbles and falls, his basket falls into the stream, and of course the fish take the opportunity and get away.
Marco sees it, uh, kind of admonishes Kenichi a little bit, and he's like, it's his fault for being so clumsy. You know, very, very kid kind of thing to do. Um, and then they realize Marco first, but then Kenichi um, agrees that where's where's Usagi? Where did he go? He just fell in the in the stream there. What happened? Then all of a sudden, he Usagi jumps up, wrestling this huge carp that is probably mm, twice his size, I guess. Uh, he finally wrestles it and um, d- does enough to it that he is able to carry it into the village while Kenichi is carrying his little basket full of six or eight fish. Usagi's got one giant carp that is, like I said, twice his size, twice the size of any of the kids. As he's walking up, he encounters his father, and his father has this very dour look on his face. And Usagi questions him, Father? And then we see his father smile. So I'm not sure. I guess the, the normal nature of his dad was to be the first panel, kind of mean and, and stern. And then Usagi's joy at what he did, his father shows his approval by smiling and so acknowledging Usagi's accomplishment. All there in, in three panels. So uh, we cut back to real time. Usagi kind of laughs to himself a little bit. He said, I was the hero of the village that day, thanks to Kenichi. And now we see that uh, Yayoi uh, comes in, and <laughs> she and Usagi have a, a really uh, funny, I think, conversation. Uh, first of all, she remembers him. She knows him from where she served his father. So I'm assuming that she is attached uh, to the house, the physically, the building, because it is the headman's residence, I'm again assuming, and it wouldn't be much of a stretch for that to be the case. So she comes along with it as staff, let's say. So she served Usagi's father and so thus helped raise Usagi. And they they talk back and forth about things. Um, she lets Usagi know, after a little bit of prompting from him, that things are not... Uh, that there is tension between Kenichi and Marco. Uh, could be for one of several reasons. Could be due to their son. Could be due to the uh, similarities that the son, Jotaro, is encountering with Usagi's path during that portion of his life. Uh, he, he is remarkably doing remarkably similar things to what Usagi did. Um, and that may be because of Marco. That may be just the nature of things. I don't know. I'm not sure if it'll be explored uh, in this story. It may. I, I don't know. But uh, she said that Jotaro's been sent to study under that crazy old mountain hermit. And again, for those of us that have been at it for a while, we recognize that reference. Um, Usagi immediately says, you mean Katsuichi-sensei? And now she sits back and stares up at the roof and says, hmm, now what was his name? And Usagi says, Katsuichi-sensei. I remember it was Katsu something. Katsuichi! Katsu, Katsu, it's on the tip of my tongue. Katsuichi, he yells again. (laughs) Oh, I remember. It was, and he yells, Katsuichi! And she says, it was Katsudamburi. Ah, he says. Now, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Say, you must be hungry. How about a nice hot bowl of fish head broth? He says, no, I'm fine. I'm not hungry. Good. I'll go get some. 
And she leaves. <laughs> he says, she's still the same. Now, up here, the Kessel uh, Domburi is a uh, meal that is comprised of a pork cutlet with broth served over rice. So she says one dish even, but they don't have that in the house, I guess. What they have right now is uh, fish, head, fish head soup, uh, essentially. So she went to get him some of that. And Usagi muses, muses? No, I don't think that's the right word. He considers to himself, but if she's right, things are not well between husband and wife. And it seems the village is still not aware that Jotaro is really my son. Oh, spoilers uh, for those of you new in volume four. Jotaro. Maruko and Usagi have a son. Katsuichi, um, or not Katsuichi, uh, Kenichi knows that. And so he is raising another man's son because he's in love with Marco. At least, okay, let me step back. I believe he knows. Um, searching my memory, I'm not 100% sure that he knows. Um, but of course, Marco knows. And she told Usagi, so he knows. Uh, Jotaro does not know. Jotaro at this time is young. He's probably uh, high single digit, maybe low double digit ages, uh, years in age. So he's he's still probably too young to try to grasp that with uh, Kenichi there and, and everything. So so Usagi thinks, Jutaro studying sword skills under my former teacher must surely have widened the divide between Kenichi and Marco. Huh. What, what's that sound? What's that commotion, he says? And uh, Yayoi comes yelling for his help. Help, Usagi, help. What's going on, he says. Brigands are overrunning the village. He jumps up and shuts out my swords. Where are my swords? And from outside in the hallway, someone says, no need for your swords. It's a surprise to see you again so soon, Usagi. You're the samurai I met recently. Kato. Yes. Um, and like I said at the, uh, at the onset, I believe it was issue eight. So it's only been about, what, three issues ago. You were Lord Mafuni's vassal, but now you serve Lord Hikiji. Outwardly, yes, he says, but my loyalties have always been with Lord Mafuni. Why are you here? He says very sternly, Usaki. We are here to exact our revenge on the one who killed our lord. I had hoped you would join us. So that's quite the um, place to stop the story. I mean, that's a, a much deeper honorary kind of issue than what the story started out with as far as Usagi with his pilgrimage wanting to uh, give homage to his former leader, uh, his former lord. So now we see that maybe things are way deepening more so than that. Okay, a couple words. Amon, uh, the family crest, Usagi threw it out early on when he was in the boat explaining to uh, Mariko what he thought had happened, what he could remember that had happened. And then Katsudunburi, the pork cutlet with broth over rice, which you know doesn't sound too bad. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of pork uh, schnitzel. I like schnitzel. So, but that sounds pretty good. I think that probably is everything um, that I wanted to bring up about the issue. Um, it's playing on some emotional things that we don't we don't necessarily see all that frequently uh, with Usagi, but we do see it every time he and Marco and Kenichi get together. 
uh, there is a the, the triangle there. And of course, because Marco has Usagi's son, uh, Kenichi is raising him, uh, that just really muddles things. Um, and because of all that, and because that uh, Kenichi is now the headman of the village, Marco is the wife of the headman, Usagi really does his best, uh, in all honesty, to just stay away. That's probably very hurtful for him, you know, having to stay away from home. Um, he doesn't have any familial connections that I can think of off the top of my head. They are uh, made family, uh, people he grew up with and things like that, but not any blood. I don't think there's any blood left. So uh, next time out, I looks like I am wanting to speak on the Dark Horse volume issue 45, which I believe is the final part of the Grasscutter 2 storyline. But don't hold me to that because I don't have the book in front of me yet. So, But I believe that's what I'll be covering next. So uh, anything about this issue, anything about Grasscutter, anything about the um, audio quality of this episode, anything about anything. Anybody knows what that thing is that dangles the bag over sick people's head? Let me know what that's called. All of that. Let me know. Email me. Tweet me. Leave a message on the on the uh, show's website. And any of those ways. But uh, let's speak about something. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys next time. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution... Non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.